It is a privilege to get to come and preach to you the last sermon of the year 2020. Would you open your Bibles with me to Matthew 28, please? In the last 35 years or so, I've had the privilege of preaching a lot of sermons at a lot of different churches. In the course of all of those sermons, it has not been uncommon for them to ask me for a title for my sermon to put in the order of service. It hasn't been common, but it has happened from time to time that they've asked me for the points of my outline to put in the order of service. But as far as I can recall, never before until this morning, has the title of my sermon and the three points of my sermon not only been in the order of service, but on the front of the order of service for every service that I can ever remember being here. Treasure, Build, and Proclaim is the title of the sermon, and those are the three primary points of the sermon. And I propose to find those things in Matthew 28 in what is commonly referred to as the Great Commission that the Lord Jesus left His church with. As you know, the vision statement indicates the purpose of Midtown Baptist Church. We exist to glorify God in Christ. We exist to glorify God in Christ. We have a mission statement. It essentially says that this is how we intend to accomplish the mission of glorifying God in Christ. And you know what it says. It says, by God's grace, we pursue this vision together by treasuring God's glory in Christ, building one another up in the faith, and proclaiming His gospel among all peoples. That's an important statement. But I want to be clear this morning that our mission statement at Midtown Baptist Church, nor any other mission statement anywhere you go, it is not inspired. And our mission statement in no way replaces or supplements the Word of God. But it is deeply rooted in the Word of God. Amen? It is a short declaration of our conviction about how a local church is to glorify God in Christ. Someone may ask, why do we have a mission statement, brother? Well, we have a mission statement to give clarity and focus to our purpose. Clarity and focus. Treasure, build, and proclaim are the three words that are at the heart of the mission statement of Midtown Baptist Church. The three words summarize why we're here, what we do, how we do it, and why we do it. These three words are a concise explanation of our beliefs, our culture, our goals, and the methods that we are committed to using to accomplish our goals. And these three words are the very straight edge, the very straight edge of conviction against which we measure all that we do at Midtown Baptist Church by asking these three questions. Does it glorify God? Does it build up the body? And does it evangelize the lost? Now I would have you notice that in our mission statement that all three words, treasure, build, and proclaim, are verbs. They are action words. They go well beyond intellectual acknowledgement they even go beyond firm faith. They are action words. 
They're not just what we think or say or believe or profess. Treasure, build, and proclaim are what we do. And when properly considered, which I hope by God's grace we properly consider these words this morning, they will focus us to do three things at the minimum. Many more, but these three things. They will advance the participation of our members in the body. Advance the participation of our members in the body. They will encourage us to work effectively with one another as a body. Encouragement to work effectively with one another as a body. And they will intensify our commitment to achieve our goals as a body. Well, some may say, can these three words and what they represent have a real significant impact on the life and effectiveness of our church? I mean, after all, brother, there are only three words. They're just three words is all they really are. Seems rather small, doesn't it? Seems like a small thing. Well, Zechariah, the prophet we read in chapter 4, he tells us that when God is doing the building, small things are not to be despised. The Lord often uses weak and humble instruments to bring about great things. The Lord Jesus himself said that when the mustard seed of the kingdom of God is sown in the earth, it will grow and become greater than all the herbs and shoot out great branches. We're just now at the end of the Christmas season where we are celebrating the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has saved every one of God's elect by his, his perfect person and his finished work upon the cross of Christ. And it was a very small and a very humble beginning in a stable where there was no room for him in any end. There was no room on that night, and in the hearts of the world, there is no room this very day. Yes, we are small. Yes, we are humble. But let us not despise those things. Let us glory in them, and glory in the fact that the Lord, often, uh, Lord God often uses small and humble things to accomplish His purpose. And let us not minimize the power of words. My daddy told me that words are like bullets. Once they're gone, they're not coming back. He didn't have a lot of Jewish background or Jewish philosophy, but I understand that, that the, uh, the Jewish religion is taught often that words actually have power. And I can see where that comes from. When the Lord God said, let there be light, what happened? There was light. When the power of God goes forth, excuse me, when the word of God goes forth, it goes forth with God's power, doesn't it? Now the words of men don't have that same effect unless God takes that and empowers it. But do not minimize the power of words. There are numerous three-word phrases that have impacted our world greatly. Let me give you just a few examples of those and let us bear those in mind as we consider the three words treasure, build, and proclaim today in light of the Great Commission. You've all heard all three of these phrases, or all six of these phrases that I'm about to give you. Burn the ships was a command from Hernando Cortez upon landing in Veracruz in 1519. It was the beginning of the Spanish conquest of Central America, but more important than that, it was the beginning of the evangelization of Central America. It indicated that he was committed to going forward with no possibility of retreat and no possibility of withdrawal. There was one direction and it was straight ahead. How about this phrase? Here... I stand. Martin Luther in 1521 at the Diet of Worms would not recant his writings in the face of great persecution. He indicated by these words 
that he was resolved to stand for the truth no matter the consequences. Liberty or death. Liberty or death. In the speech by Patrick Henry in 1775 during the pangs of the birth of the revolution for the independence of our nation indicated clearly that he was willing to fully engage and to sacrifice for the cause. How about preserve, protect, and defend? The presidential oath from the United States Constitution written in 1775, excuse me, in 1789, is an oath of solemn responsibility and calls upon God for help. It's an oath that has been taken by every man that has ever filled the office of the presidency and the men and women who have been under arms to protect this country, to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution. Closer to our age, remember Pearl Harbor. It was the unifying response of a rather disunified American nation upon being attacked on December the 7th, 1941. And it was the war cry that led to the defeat of Imperial Japan and Nazi Germany and secured freedom, not only in our nation, but to a very large degree around the globe for the last 80 years. Lastly, from a Little Rock native, General Douglas MacArthur, duty, honor, country in his farewell speech in 1962. In those three words, MacArthur tells us that he was recognizing priorities and living under authority and fulfilling the mission. Who knew General Douglas MacArthur was a theologian? Recognizing our priorities, living under authority, and fulfilling the mission. So let me tell you the, the purpose of this sermon, and it is this is that as we leave behind the year of our Lord 2020 and move into 2021, it's my prayer that we would recommit ourselves, to recommit ourselves to move forward in the simplicity of what the Lord Jesus has commanded His churches to do. To reaffirm our resolve to stand with our brothers and sisters without wavering on what we know to be true. To reinforce our resolve to engage and sacrifice for the good of the body and the glory of Christ. To refocus on the solemn responsibilities that each one of us have as a covenant member of Midtown Baptist Church. And to reemphasize the necessity of unity, unity among the members of the body here. And to recheck and reset, if required, our priorities in order to accomplish the mission that God has given Midtown Baptist Church. Look with me at Matthew 28. I'll begin in verse 16. We're going to concentrate on the last three verses this morning. Matthew 28, beginning in verse 18, excuse me, in verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, 
and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. These are the words of our Lord Jesus. This is the word of God. May he bless the reading of it this morning. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the word that uh, we have before us this morning. I pray that you would bless the reading of it and the preaching of it for the good of our souls. Give us understanding, Father, of the mission of your churches at large, specifically the mission that you have charged Midtown Baptist Church with. Father, we pray that you would bless the reading and the preaching of the word this morning for the glory of Christ and the good of our souls. Amen. Amen. My first point is treasuring God's glory in Christ. Treasuring God's glory in Christ. In verse 18, we see that Jesus came and said this to them. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth. There is no other place. It's either in heaven or it's on earth. And Jesus said, all that authority has been given to me. What he is declaring for himself here is this, that he has absolute authority in heaven and on earth. Now authority, authority is not just power. Authority is the right to exercise power, to have influence and control. The Lord Jesus Christ says, I have that. I not only have all power, but I have the authority. I have the sovereign right of God to exercise this power in any way that I see fit. Upon anyone whom I see fit, I have that authority. It is given to me. Jesus is clearly declaring that he has absolute authority. He is clearly declaring that he possesses absolute power. He is declaring that his right and his freedom to exercise power as he determines is absolute. He is our sovereign Lord. There is no authority, there is no power in heaven or on earth that is not found in Jesus Christ. He is the sovereign Lord. The Lord Jesus is all-powerful and he is all-glorious. Now the word glory does not appear in the text that I read to you this morning nor does the word power. But they both derive from the word authority in ways. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, power and glory are closely related and they are indivisibly linked. We read in 1 Chronicles 29 where David said, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and glory and the victory and the majesty. In Psalm 62, David said, I have looked upon you in the sanctuary beholding your power and glory. In Hebrews chapter 1, the author there says that the Lord Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe, Jesus does, by the word of his power, power and glory. And then in Matthew and in Mark and in Luke, all three of the gospel accounts tell us that Jesus is coming again in great power, and in great glory. Our Lord has authority, absolute. He has all the power that there is, and all glory belongs to Christ. The glory of the Lord Jesus is seen in His eternality, in His deity, in His virgin conception, in His humanity, in His perfection, in His suffering, in His substitution, in His humiliation, in His sacrifice, in His death, in His burial, in His resurrection and in His ascension. We associate ourselves with these truths, do we not? 
We associate ourselves with these truths. We testify to these truths. We have committed ourselves to Jesus Christ and the glory of God in Him by being witnesses to Christ. Think with me for just a moment. I don't know how many of you have had the pleasure of appearing in court and giving testimony. But before you do, they swear you in. You either swear or you affirm that the testimony that you're about to give as a witness is absolutely true. And you do so under the penalty of perjury. No matter what it is that you've told your friends, no matter what it is that you've mentioned around the coffee pot, no matter what it is that you have led people to make them think that you may know or that you may believe, that's all out the window. When you stand and you give witness in a court of law, you are committing yourself to the story that you're about to tell. We are witnesses to the truth that Jesus Christ is and the facts that surround Him. We have committed ourselves to Jesus Christ. When we acknowledge His authority, when we acknowledge His power, when we acknowledge His glory, we witness to Christ, we testify of Christ, and we treasure the glory of God in Jesus Christ. Now friends, you know that there is a direct connection between that which we treasure and our hearts, isn't there? A direct connection between that which we treasure and our hearts. Matter of fact, the Lord Jesus himself said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Our natural hearts do not and cannot treasure the glory of God in Christ Jesus. The hearts that we're born with are hard and stony and selfish. In order to treasure Christ and the glory of God in Jesus Christ, we need a new heart. Praise God that that new heart given by God at the moment of regeneration is soft and loving and does treasure Christ. I'm so impacted by that statement that I'll follow it up and say that if you do not treasure Christ, if you have never treasured Christ, if you do not know what it is to treasure Christ, it may be time to spend some time alone with God's Word in prayer to God and ask Him to clarify what your true standing is before Him. Old hearts cannot and do not treasure Christ. New hearts do love and treasure Jesus Christ. Well, what does it mean to treasure? What does it mean if I treasure something? It means to jealously safeguard something that is precious to me. Jesus Christ is precious to His people. To treasure something is to hold it and to acknowledge it and to keep it as something that is priceless. Jesus Christ is priceless to His people. To treasure something is to store it up, to understand that it has great value, to place significant emphasis upon it. We treasure the glory of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. It means to appreciate, to love, to cherish, to value and prize all of these things. To treasure the glory of God in Jesus Christ is to have sufficient understanding to worship and esteem and enjoy. Did you hear that? To enjoy Jesus Christ as we ought. Why? Because He is worthy. 
to treasure the glory of God in Christ is to love the Lord Jesus, to actively desire His Word, to actively desire His presence, to actively desire His people, to long to be with Him, to yearn to submit to Him, to crave to be obedient to Him and to be in His presence and be a tool that is used to advance His kingdom and to advance His glory. To treasure Christ is to cherish Him. It indicates a very special love and care, yet above all other things. Do you recognize and realize, my brother or sister in Christ this morning, that there is nothing, no thing in this life, in this world, that is more important than your relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ? Nothing. To treasure the glory of God in Christ is to value Christ, to hold Him in high reverence and high regard, and to see His intrinsic worthiness, the very fact that He is eternal God made flesh, that He did indeed accomplish salvation for His people, that He is indeed in charge of all things, and that everything that comes to us in our life, be it good, be it not so good, be it bad, whatever it is, the Lord Jesus Christ is working all things together for our good and for His glory. We value Him highly. And lastly, I would say, for the purpose of our sermon this morning, that we prize Him. That to value and to, to cherish and to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, God's glory in Him, is to take deep pride in our Lord Jesus. A humble pride, yes, not a pride in ourselves, but a pride in our sovereign shepherd. A pride in the one who shed his blood for us. A pride in the fact that he possesses us. We have been bought with a price. And we possess him. He has given himself to us. We treasure the glory of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. The second thing I'd like to speak to you about this morning is building one another up in the faith. Look at verse 20 of Matthew chapter 28. The Lord Jesus says to teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Now clearly here the Lord is speaking about discipleship. He didn't give us a lot of instruction about how to go about it in this statement. But we're not left without instruction. There's plenty of it throughout the New Testament. I selected a passage from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. There the Apostle Paul told the body of Christ that at Thessalonica, he said, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, living or dead, whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with Him. Here it is. Here's the bullet point in verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Encourage one another and build one another up. Continue to do that as you are doing, he says. Clearly, verse 11 is a command for us to be continually building one another up in light of the fact that the Lord Jesus has saved us and is returning for us. When you have the responsibility to sit with a brother or sister in difficult times, and encourage them as best you can. There is no better thing to encourage them with than this. 
if they're your brother or sister in Christ, and that is, is that the Lord Jesus Christ has saved you and he is coming again for you to take you to be with him where he is. Encourage one another and build one another up. I like that word build. It occurs frequently throughout the scriptures in the New Testament. The Lord Jesus Christ himself used it on numerous occasions. The word in any language really means this. It means to form by ordering and uniting various parts by gradual means into a composite whole in accordance with a plan and a process. I didn't come up with that all by myself, but that's a synthesis of things. And I like it. To build means to form by ordering and uniting various parts by gradual means into a composite whole in accordance with a plan and a process. You think about some of those words that are in that statement. When we think about order, we think about organization. We can think about gathering. We can think about assembling. Where is the primary place that we are to come in order to be encouraged and built up? Right here with our brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, this discipleship, it takes place in the corporate environment and it takes place in the one-on-one environment over a cup of coffee, doesn't it? Building necessitates order and gathering and assembling. Now, we unite these various parts. What is this uniting that I'm talking about? Well, number one, it is union with Christ. That can only be accomplished by Christ and by His Holy Spirit. There is union between each and every believer with the Lord Jesus Christ. I think I've recently heard a sermon series on that. We are unified with the Lord Jesus Christ. We are therefore at union or in union with one another. Do you understand that? If you have fellowship with Christ and I have fellowship with Christ, then by necessity we are at union or we have fellowship with one another. There is a uniting that takes place in the midst, or at least an awareness of that uniting that takes place in the midst of discipleship. There is unity in agreement with one another on the things that are non-negotiable and are important. The faith that has been once delivered to the saints is not open for debate. It is not open to argue among brothers and sisters in Christ. Either You adhere to it, you embrace it, you testify to it, and you witness to it, or you don't. You're either my brother and sister in Christ, or you're not. And that's determined by what the Scriptures say. Everything else is not necessary. But there must be unity among brothers and sisters in the local body in terms of how we do the things we do, why we do the things we do, where we do the things we do, and how we go about doing those things. We're to encourage and build one another up, and there is a unity component, obviously, to that. In order for this church or any other church to be a healthy, properly functioning body capable of reproducing itself. You get that? A healthy, functioning body capable of reproducing itself. That's our goal at Midtown Baptist Church is to do the things that God has commanded us to do and pray that God will bless that so that we can grow to the place that we can do what? Reproduce ourselves. Send out men and women. 
to plant other churches that look a lot like Midtown Baptist Church. But we recognize and we realize that building is a slow and steady process, but it is a persistent process. The work has begun, the work goes on, and the work will continue until the Lord God has accomplished His purpose in us as we use the plan and the process that is described in the Scripture. Now, there are a number of places that we can go and look at that plan and process, but I selected 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. It's a passage that's familiar to everyone in here nearly. Uh, the Apostle Paul told the young pastor Timothy, he said, All Scripture is breathed out by God. And he said these four things about it. He said, It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. That's what discipleship looks like a lot, isn't it? Teaching, simply this, instruction in doctrine. From the pulpit to the coffee pot. Instruction in doctrine. The faith once delivered to the saints. Reproof. What is reproof? It's not a word we use a lot. It's simply this. Is godly or scriptural counsel intended to convince and to restore an erring or wayward brother or sister? Counsel intended to convince and restore an erring or wayward brother or sister. We teach, and if we love you, we reprove. If you love your brother and sister in Christ and you see them erring or going the wrong direction, what do you do? You go to them lovingly and caringly, and you reprove them with the Word of God. I'm not so much interested in your opinion as I am what does the Word of God say. Correction in accordance with the Word of God is simply this. It's restoration to a right relationship with Christ and other members of the body. So we teach, we reprove, we correct, and lastly, to train in righteousness. To train in righteousness. So that's a pretty broad concept, isn't it? Righteousness is a big concept. But essentially, what Paul is driving at here is the training and the cultivation of the soul to live for the glory of God and for correcting sin, uh, sinful behavior and curbing the passions of the flesh. We train in righteousness to cultivate the soul to live for the glory of God and to correct sinful behavior and to curb the passions of the flesh. May we at Midtown Baptist Church be known for glorifying God in Jesus Christ and for building one another up in the faith. Thirdly, we proclaim the gospel among all peoples. We proclaim the gospel among all people. In verse 19 of our text, the Lord Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Here the Lord is commanding us to evangelize, to proclaim the gospel. Well, how are we supposed to do that? How is it that we, simple sinners saved by grace, how is it that we are to go and have an impact? Well, apart from the enablement and the power of God, we can't. It's just that simple. But listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2. 
speaking to brothers and sisters of ours from 2,000 years ago. It's true for them. It's true for us. He said this. He said, you are a chosen race. Chosen by God, I might add. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. There's one venerable old English translation that says that we are a peculiar people. That word means that we are his own possession. All of that for this purpose, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, the first pass interpretation of that passage is this. God saved us to proclaim the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ in his gospel of grace. He called us out of darkness with it, and he will use that to call the rest of his elect out of darkness with it. Amen? It's pretty simple. Not easy always, but it's pretty simple stuff. To proclaim simply means this, to speak forth or to speak outwardly. That's what the word means, to declare a thing, a declaration of a thing. We are to proclaim the gospel of God's grace and glory in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ publicly and frequently. We are to proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ clearly and without equivocation. And yes, that includes confronting men and women about the fact that they were born to sinful parents, that they inherited a sinful nature, that they are rebels against God, that they have sinned against God, that His wrath is upon them, and that they not only deserve the hell that they will receive if they leave this world in that condition, but it is actually the wages. It is the recompense that they have earned if they leave this world in the way that they came in it. We're to preach the gospel clearly. We're to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ solemnly. We are to preach it insistently. And we are to preach it, when necessary, defiantly. For we proclaim with delegated authority from the one who has all authority in heaven and earth and the one who will never leave us and is with us to the end of the age. We have a high privilege and an immense responsibility to proclaim the glory of God in Jesus Christ through the gospel of his grace. To a lost and dying world, as we go from this pulpit each Sunday to one another. You see, we proclaim the gospel not just to the lost, but to the saved. It is the one message that we have. It is the one balm that we have, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We proclaim it regularly, consistently, insistently, clearly, and solemnly with authority. You understand that when we preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, as he has given it to us in his word, that there is an authority that comes with that. It's not an invitation, it's a command. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. May we be a church that is known for our regular, consistent and insistent proclamation of the gospel of God's glory in Jesus Christ. Those are 
the three points of my sermon. Let me conclude with a few thoughts for us to consider. First, I want to tell you that I love you. Midtown Baptist Church, in more ways than I can ever express, is an answer to one of my prayers for me and my wife to have a place like this, to come and associate ourselves with brothers and sisters in Christ like you, to hear sermons like the ones that we hear here each and every Sunday. So I'm thankful for Midtown Baptist Church. And as I have participated in it, I've concluded that these things are pretty well true. And I'm thankful for each and every one of them. Midtown Baptist is a simple church. We are not elaborate. We are a modest church. We are not flashy. We are a humble church. We are not self-promoters. We are an unpretentious church. We are an assembly of sensible, practical sinners saved by grace. Midtown Baptist is a church that walks by faith. Always have. Our revenue is enough to pay our bills and seldom is it any more than that. Just like most of us simple, practical sinners saved by grace are used to. But Midtown Baptist is a distinctive church. We're distinctive in what we believe and teach about God's grace in the salvation of men and women, boys and girls. We're a distinctive church in how we operate with a multiplicity of pastors. And we're a distinctive church in our philosophy of ministry, which is based in Ephesians chapter 4, that our responsibility here as shepherds and elders and pastors is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry and to build up the body of Christ. All of those things are indeed simple and not ornate. But you see, as near as I can tell, this is the picture that, that strikes me as being a good illustration. If you hunt where I hunt, you'd be unwise to drink from the stream without boiling it pretty good. They tell me that uh, if you want to drink running water that has not been processed, the best place to do that is way up on the side of the mountain. We, I think, at Midtown Baptist Church, want to go as near to the source of the stream as we possibly can, the very head of that stream, in order to drink. The farther that any church drifts away from the source of the living water, the more it is likely to be contaminated. And if you've ever spent any time in the woods, you know that if you do find a spring, the farther you go down toward the creek that it empties out into, the more likely you are to find animal carcasses and excrement all along the way. We want to go to the source of the stream and remain there in simplicity and be satisfied with the Lord Jesus Christ. He alone is all we need. Midtown Baptist Church is committed to treasuring the glory of God in Jesus Christ, building one another up in the faith, and proclaiming the gospel among all peoples. As I 
put these notes together over the past week, there were several questions that came to my mind that I have asked myself and I continue, uh, I intend to continue to ask myself as we move forward in 2021. Let me share these with you and possibly one or maybe all of these questions. God's Spirit will impress on your heart to ask yourself these questions. And may God's Spirit give you insight and illumination on who you are, where you are, and why you're there. These are the questions that I ask myself, and I pray very seriously that you'll ask yourself. Am I committed to going forward in the simplicity that Midtown Baptist Church is with no possibility of retreat or withdrawal? Am I resolved to take my stand for the truth right here, no matter what the consequences are? I've asked myself, am I engaged in sacrificing my time, my talents, my gifts, and my money for the good of this body and for the glory of Jesus Christ? Am I seriously taking, am I seriously taking the solemn responsibilities that I have as a member of this church as I promised that I would when I became a covenant member of Midtown Baptist Church? Am I unified in purpose and in practice with my brothers and sisters here? And lastly, are my priorities right? Do I have my priorities right? How long has it been since I honestly took a long an accurate look at my priorities as related to my family and my church. Well, may God bless Midtown Baptist Church for the glory of Christ. May He continue to provide the things that we need, supply all of our wants and needs and desires through our Lord Jesus Christ as we move out of this year into 2021. We don't know what 2021 holds, but the Lord our God does. And the one who gave Himself for us, bled in order to purchase us unto Himself, has all authority. He has all power. He has all glory. And He works all things together for our good and for His glory. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Will you pray with me? Father, we are grateful and thankful for our Lord Jesus. Father, we thank You that in Him is the fullness of the Godhead. That everything that we could possibly need or want our desire that is good is found in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, we thank you for Midtown Baptist Church, for the lives that it has impacted, for the witness that it is in the community. Father, I thank you for our mission statement to treasure the glory of God in Christ, to build one another up in the faith, and to, pray, to proclaim the gospel to people of all the nations. Father, it is a succinct and compact expression of who we are, what we believe, and how we believe you would have us go about accomplishing the task that you have given us. Father, I pray for your blessings upon the people of Midtown Baptist Church and its leadership. I ask that you would watch over us and give us the insight and the guidance that we need to do the things that you would have us to do. 
Father, undoubtedly, there are numerous challenges that lie ahead of us. I pray that you would allow us to meet them with boldness that can only come from your spirit, with wisdom that can only come from your throne. Father, I pray that you would give us the, uh, the courage that we need to carry out the mission that you have given us here. Father, we thank you for the blessings that are ours in the Lord Jesus Christ. I ask that you'd watch over each one of us and bring us together again soon to worship our risen Lord. We pray in his holy name. Amen.